You only get into, out the game what you put into it, Shelley. Mm-hmm. And I put everything into it I could and still do for the people and for the people that I was playing for and the people that I was manager for. I didn't cheat them out of anything. So I put all my heart and soul to the extent that my family suffered. Do you yeah. regret that at all? Oh, yeah, I regret, oh, I regret it very much, yeah. Somebody said the football's a matter of life and death to you. I said, listen, it's more important than that. Style Helms and Brodie Helmets, a man-marking Christmas special. The date was the 24th of December 2020. Despite the challenges of the previous nine months, they were determined to have a fun and family-filled festive period. There had been a strict ban on any mentions of the word Covid, coronavirus, social distancing, bubbles and Durham. The only alcohol on show tonight would be in the sherry glasses grasped in Grandad Tony's hand. Ryan, Tony's eldest grandchild, had settled down next to his beloved Grandad. Grandad Tony? Don't call me Tony. Grandad Edward? <sighs> Tony's fine, son. Did you fight in the war? The old man shifted nervously in his seat, trying to avoid eye contact with his grandson, hoping the question would go away. But it wouldn't. Ryan was gazing up at his old hero, yearning for answers, for wisdom. Which war? The one we learned about in school, you know, the one in black and white. You'll you'll need to give me more than that, son. You know the one with the muddy fields and the bangs and the running, you know? Yes, yes, yes. The First World War. The Great War. Even now the word seems strange. As a child he had wondered, what was so great about it? His dad never spoke about the war. It couldn't have been that great, he always thought. That's why he never talks about it. Oh, the naivety of youth. That's it. Were you in it? <clears throat> How old do you think I am? <laughs> I don't know. Hundred. No, I didn't fight in World War One. I. I was born in 1932. World War One finished in 1918. My father, your great-grandfather, he was there, though. Really? Wow. Did he tell you what it was like? What was it like? To tell you the truth, he didn't know. Not really. No more than the rest of us now. Tony had been evacuated during the Second World War. He spent two years living in a farmhouse in Shrewsbury. In a lot of ways, he was sheltered from the majority of the death and destruction. But he can at least picture the desolated landscapes of his hometown. He can remember the smell of explosives and the sound of grief-stricken wailing. He had tried to ask his father what it was like in France and Belgium, but he would never tell him. As Tony got older, he decided that his father was trying to protect him. No child should know what went on there. Why don't we put something on the telly, eh, mate? Ah, oh, do we have to? I always watch telly. Why can't we talk? We never talk. Not about anything proper. <sighs> okay, okay. He did tell me one story. It was the only story he ever told me about the war. Go on, then. 
it's not that exciting, but it's the only thing he ever told me. Tony swallowed and slowly exhaled. He hadn't spoken about his father for a long time. His death was ancient history now, but it hurt so much when it happened. These days, Tony was wrinkled and grey, still in good physical health, but he'd been weathered by a life well lived. Back when his father had died, he was much younger, wet behind the ears, as his uncles used to say. He was lost without his old man. Despite his father's refusal to talk to him about the war, the relationship had always been strong. Even to this day, he missed him. The one thing he always regretted to this day was that he never told his dad how much he meant to him. Not that it mattered much now. During the First World War, pretty much all the fighting was done in trenches. I, I assume they've taught you about trenches at that school you go to. Of course they have. That's where the soldiers used to get trench foot. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, the armies on both sides would try and move their trenches forward bit by bit and eventually try and take over the trench belonging to the enemy. Sometimes they would dig trenches underneath trenches and take them that way. A lot of this took place in northern France and Belgium on huge muddy fields in the middle of nowhere. But occasionally the troops would come across a small village or town and the fighting would take in onto the streets. What about all the people that live there? They all ran away and, and hid and tried to stay safe. Anyway, the soldiers would spend days, weeks, sometimes even months fighting, often hand-to-hand in the streets of these small French towns to try and gain control. Dozens and dozens of soldiers died just to secure a few square feet. Well, your great-grandfather... He was with a platoon that came across one of these towns. What was it called? Uh, I forget the name, I'm sorry. You'll notice when you get to my age, things just become a little less clear. As Tony paused and steadied himself to continue the story, his son walked into the room and placed a small plate of warm mince pies on the table next to the two storytellers. Grandad's tell me about the war. Tony's son smiled and rubbed his father on the shoulder before heading back out of the room and out of earshot. So your grandfather is in this small town. He'd been there for about a week, maybe longer. They were stationed in an old church. The roof had partially fallen in. But they'd found shelter amongst the rubble and were waiting for help from another platoon of soldiers. Every night, they'd fall asleep to the sound of gunfire. Every morning they wake up thankful to still be alive. He told me when they'd arrived in the town, December had just ticked over into January and it was cold, like really cold. They were so thankful to find the church, even with the damaged roof. Well, how, how did they stay warm? They huddled closely together every night. They couldn't start a fire. They'd be giving their position away. So they relied on each other. Men had stared death in the face every day. Many had taken lives to keep their own. A a dozen men hardened against everything life could throw at them. Huddled closely, front to back, front to back, night after night, to keep away the cold. Ryan pulled his legs into his chest and shuffled closer to his granddad, his eyes widening and his brow furrowing with more with every word. 
What were they so afraid of? The Germans. And the Germans are the bad guys, right? Mm, not really. Uh, I'm sure somewhere there's a German granddad sitting with his German grandson telling the same story I am about a group of frightened, vulnerable young men in a foreign land trying to stay alive so they could see their family at Christmas again. And what would they do for fun? Fun. Tony seemed perplexed by the question, perhaps forgetting his audience was one so young. What do you mean by fun? It, it was a war zone. And I mean like... Ryan was trying to find the right words. His grandfather's sharp response had cut him slightly and he was wary of offending him. Like, they were there for ages. Right. So, so what were they doing? The same thing any young lads would be doing, I suppose. What do you do? when you and your friends are bored aside from staring at your phone football talk about our fancy teams anything really but mainly football well there you go that's your answer then I, I, I don't know for sure what they talked about but your grandfather loved football so I, I guess they'd have talked about football although it wouldn't have been fantasy whatever that is I tell you what they used to do was collect cigarette cards. Cigarette cards? Yeah, so tobacco companies, they're the the ones who sell cigarettes. They used to give these cards to customers with different players on that you could collect. Why? I suppose so people would keep buying their cigarettes so they could keep collecting cards. Did did your dad collect those cards? He did. I have some in, a, in an old box at home. I, I I can show you them sometime. He had some of them with him in that church. Uh, I imagine he wasn't the only one. Okay, so what happened next? Just give me a second. Tony stood up from his chair and staggered across the room to where the bottle of sherry was sitting. He filled his glass carefully, his grandson standing to help. Tony beckoned him away. He could still do this. The old man made his way back to his chair and laid his eyes back on Ryan. So a few more days passes and somehow your grandfather is still alive and one morning they hear where that their backup is less than a mile from town so he and his platoon readied themselves for an attack. They had a pretty good idea about how many soldiers the enemy had left. With their backup they could take control of the town but they're tired and they're cold and they're hungry they're scared but they know their best chance and is this an hour or so passes and nothing they wait another hour nothing the day starts to turn to dark and creep into the night and nothing nobody's coming what happened to them they don't know they just weren't there so there they are, just the 12 of them. Your grandfather, he was big into his football even then. I, I remember when he told me this story, he always thought it was funny that they were now down to just a starting 11 and a manager. Uh, they decided that if they waited any longer, they, they would die. They, they'd run out of food, they'd run out of water, they couldn't hide any longer. Uh, they were going to try and flee from the town and as far away from the advancing enemy forces as, as, as they possibly could. 
Should I wait until nightfall? Deep, dark night. The type of dark that leaves you almost completely blind. They had a pretty good idea that if they moved quickly and uh, quietly west of their position, they would be out of town, into the surrounding forest in 15 minutes or so. What was in the forest? They didn't know. So why run to the forest? What if there's something worse there? Uh, They had no choice. If they went in any other direction, they would be killed or worse, captured. If they stayed hidden, they'd starve. It was their only choice. Tony took a moment to think about the 12 men huddled in the church. He realised this was the first time he'd spoken about his father for as long as he could remember. Okay, so what happened next? Did they make it to the forest? Some of them did. Some of them didn't. About four made it through to the forest. Three were shot and killed as they made a run for it from the church grounds. Two were captured near the outskirts of town and so we decided to take their chances staying where they were, still hopeful that their comrades would come and rescue them. Ryan held his fingers in front of his face and counted up. He looked up at his grandfather. Granddad, that's only 11. <laughs> where is the other one? <laughs> the, the other one was your grandfather. He was in the group of four with the three that were shot and killed. and He'd been shot in the leg and had managed to drag himself undetected through the darkness to, into an empty building. Uh, his leg is hurt, he's he's bleeding, but he managed to patch it up with some cloth and soil and he stops bleeding. He stays in the building through the night, drifting in and out of sleep, awakening every time he drifts too deep. Did the Germans not find him? Not to begin with. He figures he's in there. Maybe... Three or four hours, he can hear birds start to sing outside. It's it's still dark, but he knows that morning is at least on its way. Ah, oh, morning's good, right? Not necessarily. In the dark, he can stay hidden quite easily. But when morning comes, he may be easily found, and he knows he can't move too far or at any great speed. What happens next? Ryan's eyes were as wide as dinner plates, his heart was racing, and he stared up at his beloved grandfather, imploring him to continue. Tony was finding it hard, harder than he thought he would, but the love for his grandchild urged him to finish where he had started. As, as the darkness begins the break, you can hear German soldiers moving about the village, not far from where he's hidden. He doesn't understand German, so he has no idea what they're saying. Why? Uh, the voices get louder and louder until they're just outside the door. Four or five feet from where he's been laying for the past six hours or so. He knows that if they find him, he's dead. He also knows if they don't find him, he's probably dead. The voices continue, then suddenly a, a door opens. A bright, crisp morning light bursting into the room. Shields his eyes, ready for it to all be over. A moment or two passes in silence. And then the door closes. 
he looks up, peering through his fingers to see a, a German soldier standing by, standing over him. Luger pointed straight at him. The German is maybe 18, 19 years old. He's muddy, he's dishevelled, he looks tired, weary, and his eyes speak of a fear that will give him sleepless nights into his long old age. If you removed the uniform, he'd look no different to the dozen men huddled in the church the night before. Does he shoot him? What does he do? <sighs> Neither of them do anything. He just stare at one another in total silence. Your grandfather then raises his palms. The German holds his gun up, still not totally convinced by the gesture. Then there's a sudden sharp knock on the door. Tony knocks on the table next to him three times. The German turns round and opens the door. Only slightly to hide your grandfather from whoever is outside. They exchange words, something in German. It sounds like the man is trying to usher away whoever's on the other side of the door. Eventually, after a minute or two, the door closes again. And the German turns back round. Your grandfather reaches slowly into his pocket and pulls out a small piece of card. Marked only by a bloody fingerprint and hands it tentatively to the German. The cigarette card. The cigarette card. The man looks the card up and down before smiling and placing the card inside his own jacket. He holstered his gun, saluted, turned on his heels before leaving through the same door he entered and walked off. So football, in a way, saved his life. (laughs) Tony laughed. (laughs) Just a little. It did. Uh, I I suppose it did. At that moment, Tony's son, Ryan's dad, shouted through that dinner was ready. Dinner's ready! And for Ryan to wash his hands and help his mum set the table. Tony stood up, helped by his grandson. Wait a minute. Well, what happened then? How how did he get out? Do you remember I said they were waiting for backup? Well, the backup came, cleared the Germans from the village, and your grandfather was found, patched up and carried on through France. What about the other guy, the, the German with the card? Did he did he ever see him again? I don't know. I, I, I think, like I said, he never really told me anything about the war. I think he just told me that story because he knew I loved football. Anyway, listen to your mum and dad. Go and help set the table. Thanks, Grandad. Tony followed his grandson through the house and into the dining room to enjoy dinner with his loving family. As it so happened, his father had seen the German man again the following day. He was lying lifeless outside the church, a bullet wound in the back of his head. He saw the cigarette card on the ground next to the man. He knelt down, retrieved the card and slid it carefully back inside his jacket. Tony's father would keep that card until the day he died, before it was passed on to Tony in the box with the other cards. A certain irony of his father's story was that even Tony didn't know it was there. When he'd asked his father what happened, his father said he didn't know. As Tony sat down at the table, his grandson turned to him again. One last thing, Grandad, I promise. Tony nodded. Why didn't your dad tell you any of the stories? Nah, I, I guess he was sad about the war. 
Mum always tells me to tell her when I'm sad, though. People just didn't back in those days, especially men. That's silly. How would anyone ever know when you were sad and needed cheering up? Tony smiled and put his arm around his grandson. He closed his eyes briefly and thought about his father. Everything he must have held inside. It was enough to make an old-timer like Tony start to well up. I suppose they wouldn't know. Tony squeezed his grandson close for just a moment. Ryan smiled before looking up at his father. Dad, have you ever heard of cigarette football cards? 